Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, be seated in the presence of the Lord just a moment. Brother Frank, you can continue to play softly if you will. Three scripture readings here as we set a foundation. Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 5, and we'll go to Acts chapter 19. Mark chapter 3, verse 7. It says, But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Aduma, and from beyond Jordan, and they about Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they heard what great things he did, came unto him. You know, when people begin to hear of the great things God's doing, they'll come to him. I tell you, that's the greatest, greatest church building program there is right there is the great things that God does for his people. Amen. It says that he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. Uh, for he healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him, for to touch him as many as had plagues. And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried out, saying, Thou art the Son of God. And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. In this portion of Scripture, I believe, is the foundation for Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Let's read that for a moment. Chapter 5, verse 25. The certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years had suffered many things of many physicians, had spent all that she had was nothing better but rather grew worse when she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind him. Now what could she have heard? Well, what we were just reading right there, that Jesus was there on that Galilean shoreline and a great multitude of people came and he was ministering healing to them and as many as would just come and touch him, that healing virtue or that healing power would flow out into their bodies and, and, and affect a cure or healing. Isn't that powerful? Now listen, there's nothing special about the cloth and there's really nothing special about Pastor Leah and I. But what is special is what the Word of God says, which is our basis of faith. And that the cloth is a, is a point of contact and transmission. It's actually your faith in God's healing power is what it is. Uh, uh, Miss Joanna earlier uh, today after church brought me a, a picture of one of her relatives. Some of you may remember a few weeks ago, uh, we laid hands on some cloths for her. And this relative, I believe, was actually at the point of, at the point of death. And now God has raised her up. Isn't that powerful? And brought healing to her body. Uh, and, and that was because of the, of the belief we have in laying our hands upon claws as a point of contact and transmission. Now notice what it says here. It says, For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Straight away the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. Now notice this. Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about of the press and said, Who touched my clothes? 
And the disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? He looked round about to see her that had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now listen, you got to listen real carefully. The issue really was not his garment. Amen. Uh, the issue really was not uh, uh, the power. Amen. What the issue was, was that Jesus was anointed. We know in Luke chapter 4, we know in, 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 in Matthew chapter 3, was anointed with the, with the Holy Ghost in power. What's unique about that is every one of us have that same spirit on the inside of us. Every one of us. Amen. But what is the most relevant issue of the scripture is thy faith. Thy faith. We can say, oh, it was the power. This is, yes, it is the power. So it's because it, well, yes, it is because he's Jesus. But it's her faith. Now, this is a unique point when it comes to understand, understanding the doctrine of divine healing. And it is this. Jesus did not initiate this healing. This woman by her faith did. A lot, of, a lot of Christians believe God can heal, but they don't believe in their ability to initiate healing. Now let me say it again. A lot of Christians believe that God can heal, but they don't believe in their ability to initiate healing by faith. Listen, you have to believe in your ability to initiate healing by faith. You say, why is that? The reason is, is because God does not want to sit up in heaven as a sovereign God and say, well, I'll heal this one but I won't heal that one. And I'll heal this one, but I won't heal. He wouldn't do that with healing no more than he would do that with salvation. I'll save this one, but I won't save that one. That's not true. That's not the Word of God. That's not our God. Amen? Now, let's fast forward into a time in which Jesus had died, risen from the dead, had now seated at the right hand of the Father. And now approximately 20 years of a move of God was going on without Jesus personally being present with them, but Him being in heaven and having released the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Acts chapter 19 real quick. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. It says, It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Now notice, there were disciples there. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We've not so much heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? They said, Unto John's baptism. Then Paul said, Verily, uh, uh, then, then Paul... Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people they should believe on him which should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. Now notice in verse 5. It says, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now notice something that he didn't say. It doesn't say they were baptized in water. It says they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now let me ask you a question. What good would it have done them to be baptized in water if they weren't baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus first? Wouldn't have done them any good whatsoever. But there's a greater point to be made here. These, these, these men that he found, these, these 12 that he found in Ephesus 
were serving God with the knowledge that they had. Amen? With the knowledge that they had, which was limited, apparently, uh, one of the disciples of John the Baptist or one of their own company had been down on the Jordan River, had been baptized of John, and had come back to Ephesus and had preached that same message. But then here came the Apostle Paul and he gave them greater knowledge, more knowledge. Many people are not saved because they don't have the knowledge they need to get, I mean, to, to get saved, to get saved and to get healed because they don't have the knowledge they need to get saved or healed. But thank God the Word of God provides the information, the inspiration, and the demonstration that everyone needs to not only receive Jesus as Lord, but to be healed in their physical body. Now let me say this. I'm going to throw this out to you. You might not like it. We always enjoy when the gifts of the Holy Ghost, especially the gift of healing, the gifts of healing, plural, plural, uh, plural working of miracles, uh, the ministry of laying on hands, of hands uh, with, the, with the aid of the, uh, of the word of knowledge, God revealing things, amen. We're always so thankful when that's in operation. Now let me tell you why we should be thankful. Because it, because it is not the will of God that the church need those gifts for healing. Did give many amens on that one? Now let me say that again. It is not the will of God that the church depends upon those gifts of the Spirit for healing. Now, if we were dependent on the gifts of the Spirit for healing, that would be all that would operate in our midst, would be the gifts of healing, the working of miracles. But see, what, what those mighty gifts are, oh, I like what one preacher called it. He says, it's the dinner bell. It's the dinner bell that gets rang. And people come to see the mercy and the goodness of God. You say, well, pastor, what is the will of God? The will of God is that you be healed and stay healed by the Word of God. Amen. That you be healed and stay healed by the Word of God. But now notice this. These men got saved. They got, uh, it says after that, it said they, they believed on the name uh, which is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Amen. Boy, they got a move of God going on here, don't they? It says, and all the men were about 12. And he being the apostle Paul went into the synagogue and spake boldly the space about three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannius. Now this is literally a Bible school where they were teaching the Word of God to these people just continually. Now notice this. And they continued by the space of two years so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the Word of God, both Jews and Greeks. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the diseases departed from them and evil spirits went out of him. Now, I, I, this is amazing because this is something that God's doing because of the teaching of the Word of God. 
Obviously, people were going to that Bible school and leaving and going into Asia, Asia and teaching and preaching the Word of God. And they're in the home base, at the home base where God was moving so powerfully, they begin to do what? They begin to request of Paul that he would take and lay his hands on napkins or even the apron. That's what those they wore back in those days, a, a part of the clothing that went with the robes that they wore. He said, let's just take those and let's just cut those up and let's send those out. And they begin to see signs, wonders, miracles, and healings. Listen, we've seen, for years we've seen uh, all types of, God do supernatural things. I've heard everything from people taking uh, claws that hands were laid upon and putting them under the pillow of a, of a teenager hooked on drugs. And that teenager within three years of being in the ministry, going to Bible school, ended up in the ministry. Amen. We've heard people uh, putting them on their animals, uh, wrapping their checkbook in it, all kinds of stuff. You know, it's just a point of contact and transmission that by faith you're believing that God by His Word is doing something in your life. Amen. So tonight, Lee and I, we're going to take and, and, and clean our hands real quick with this stuff they've got down here so you won't be, you know, freaking out about anything. <laughs> Amen. And then we're going to lay our hands, but here's what we want you to do because we can't get everybody to lay their hands on it. But we want you to extend your faith. And I believe with all my heart that the corporate faith, the corporate faith, that means all of us together, the corporate faith of Island Church can be activated tonight as we pray. And through the Holy Spirit in us, coming into Leah and I, into our bodies, out of your spirit and our spirits gathering together in unity, that that healing anointing will go right into those cloths. Amen. One of the most profound I heard when I was at Bible school at Lakewood Church, Brother R.W. Shambach, there was a woman that had been institutionalized for life. She had been declared uh, mentally unfit, mentally deranged. They're just a heartbreaking situation. A mother, a wife, just lost her mind. Demons had taken it over. And uh, they wouldn't let anybody bring anything to her. They wouldn't give her a Bible, she'd rip it to pieces. They wouldn't give her a book, she'd rip it to pieces. She'd just, just, just wild. But her sister went and attended one of Brother Shambach's meetings and got a prayer cloth and snuck it into that institution and just slapped it on her sister. And when she did, she said the power of God hit her sister and every demon force that had her mind bound broke right there. And within 10 days, she was released from the hospital. Amen. So listen, we could tell you testimony after testimony of how the power of God manifests in such a way. But it takes faith. And that faith in a loving God and a, and a, and a, and a, and a benevolent Savior who has given us everything we need that pertains unto life and godliness can get the miracle that you need also. Amen. Praise God. Pastor Lee, if you'll come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How do you do that? Help me real quick. There you go. Now grab those cloths when you... Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Now lay your hands on them. Now everybody stretch your hands this way. Agree with us as we pray. Now, Father, we see in your Word a principle, a simple principle in the Word that into the cloth can go the anointing. We saw it on the 
in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're in Mark chapter 5, in Mark chapter 3. We see it in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. They're in Acts chapter 19. Lord, our faith is in the words that you have given us. And Father, we trust that the anointing of God, not some anointing that's unique to an individual or a person, but the corporate anointing of this church, the corporate anointing of the atmosphere of this particular meeting. Lord, we thank you goes directly into these cloths right now in Jesus' name. And we declare out of this meeting shall come testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony of God's healing and delivering power. Devil, we remind you of your defeat 2,000 years ago. We declare that you are under our feet. You are not our God. You are not the one that dominates us. We dominate you. And no matter how severe the sickness or the disease, how long it has lingered, how severe the pain may be, we declare that our God is more than enough, more than enough to affect a healing and a cure in their bodies. So Father, I thank you, especially those that don't even know you, Lord. Lord, where these men and women will take to their loved ones, their co-workers, individuals, and say, God's power will touch you. We thank God that you will vindicate. Vindicate, Lord, the finished work of your son, Jesus. Glorify him. Magnify him in his work upon the earth through the church. We thank you for it, Father. We call it done. We agree in Jesus' precious name. And everyone says, amen, amen. amen. Praise God, praise God. Pastor Leo, put them on the altar there. You can do it at the end of the service and we'll, you can come up and get one. Hallelujah. Did everybody get your communion little cup and uh, wafer and cup? Praise God. Uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians real quick, chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I was meditating, thinking about communion. Of the great honor we have in taking it, participating in this ordinance of the church. But I began to think about how really the first communion service was there in Egypt when God spoke to the children of Israel and said to kill that lamb and take that blood and put it on the doorpost. It says when the death angel passes by, he'll pass over you. And out of that, the Jewish Passover celebration was originated. And for centuries, Jewish people have kept the Passover. So much type and shadow, so much significance to everything that goes on in that Passover. And then the Lord Jesus Christ before His suffering upon the cross was celebrating the Passover. That very ordinance that Israel had participated over and over in in which they celebrated them coming out of Egypt and going into the promised land. 
Now for the church, Egypt is a type of the world. Who you used to be, how you used to live, but by the blood of the Lamb, you've been brought out of Egypt. Amen. But not only that, you've been brought into the promised land. Now the promised land is what? It's not heaven. Heaven is heaven, not the promised land. You say, what is the promised land? Everything else you receive from God after salvation that belongs to you. Baptism in the Holy Ghost. I heard a story about a gentleman on an airplane going to a, going on a missions trip. He got on the plane. He was a little intimidated to fly. He didn't do it very much. He wasn't a missionary. It was just a trip he was invited to go on. He sat down in his seat and he buckled his seatbelt. And he said, just kind of, under his breath, maybe, you know, if you kind of leaned into him, you might could have heard him. He started praying in other tongues. Just begin to pray on that airplane. He said the man asked him after about 30 minutes after the flight had taken off, man asked him, he said, are you a linguist? Do you study languages? It sounds like you're speaking several different languages. He said, no, I've been baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. These are languages my mind has not learned. It is something that comes from God. I'm speaking mysteries. And not only that, it is a direct line to God. I'm speaking straight to Him. That's what he said. That guy got mad. He said, I don't believe in that. He says, I don't, I don't want you speaking where I can hear that. That's bothering me. That's what he said. He said, it's bothering me. He said about another 30 minutes into the flight, that flight hit a pocket of air in which the plane dropped about 10,000 feet in about three seconds. Boom! Then it started going into a steep dive. And that man that was criticizing, the man that was praying in tongues, shook him and said, pray, pray, pray. <laughs> so the man said, Heavenly Father, right now we come to you in the name of Jesus. And the man stopped and said, no, don't pray like that. Pray in that language that goes directly to God. He got convinced real quick, didn't he? Promised land. Healing. Promised land. Prosperity. Promised land. Joy. The promised land. Righteousness. Promised land. Amen. And so Jesus celebrated that Passover celebration. Then He brought us into a brand new reality of Passover. He brought us out of Egypt, brought us into the promised land, and forever secured by His blood. Oh, that first song we sang. What a sacrifice. <laughs> it saved my life. It saved my life. Oh, the blood of Jesus washes me. So when we get together and celebrate, that's what we're doing. Celebrating the death, the burial, the resurrection of our mighty Savior. It is a holy time. It is a sanctified time. It is an awesome time in which we place our minds upon the one who has redeemed us. And we celebrate that which He has done for us in Christ Jesus. Let me read the scripture, then we'll receive 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The Apostle Paul writing to the church here in Galveston, For I have received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which you were betrayed, took bread. Everybody take your first layer there off. 
shouldn't be too hard. Grab your bread. Said he took bread. It said when he gave thanks, he what? He broke it. See, that, that's what happened to his body. His physical body was broken for you and I. He said he broke it. He said, take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do ye in remembrance of me. Now, I don't have time. I'll do this next time, maybe next time or one, one, one of the summer months. We'll go in to that word remembrance. And we'll look at that word remembrance in its covenant weight. Because it's more than just, it's more than just, you know, uh, hey, I remember uh, going to a ball game two years ago. Or I remember uh, doing this three years ago. No, no, no. It's a covenant term in which literally the two parties of the covenant are brought back into the reality of what the covenant has said. It's more than just reviving of a memory. Amen. He said, do this and remember. He says, Begin to rehearse that covenant. That covenant that I've given you in Christ Jesus. He said, this do ye, what? In remembrance. Covenant term. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can celebrate that body that was so broken, so marred. You said in the Word that you could not even recognize it was a human being hanging upon the cross. Lord, you were buried. Our sickness, our disease, our poverty, our lack, our depravity, our sin, our iniquity, everything that was wrong with us so that we could have everything that was right with you. What a sacrifice that saved our life. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. You can receive the host. Now you can take the cup, carefully peel that back. Don't let it splash on your clothes there. And said after the same manner, he also took the cup. When after he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. Everybody say, in my blood. You know, the Bible says the life is in the blood. I heard a story of a man who was witnessing to a Muslim man. And he said, in the Quran, Jesus is recognized and mentioned. And he said, the problem that the Muslims have with Jesus is that he is deity or that he is God. They believe in the virgin birth. There's a term that they have for that. And so, once this, it was a friend of his, once this minister, is a minister I know, he says, once he heard that they believed in the virgin birth, he said to the man, now wait a minute. You believe in the virgin birth? He goes, yeah. They teach it. It's in the Quran. We believe in the virgin birth. He says, now wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, how do you believe that? He says, well, in the Quran, it says that the Spirit of God came and just came up on her. And he said, now wait a minute. He said, that means in your holy book, that you call your holy book, it is explained that Jesus was born of a virgin by the Spirit of God. He said, yes. He said, then answer me this question. 
He was speaking to the Muslim gentleman there. He said, answer me this question. He said then, who is Jesus' father? He said the guy's eyes got real big. And then he, he further carried the conversation a little further. He said, you do believe that the father is the one that gives the identity to the blood. He said, I do. He said, who was Jesus' father? He said, the guy just stared. He said, again, who was Jesus' father? He said, you could see like somebody shined a flashlight in his face. He said, his father is God. He said, if his father is God, who does that make him? He says, that makes him the son of God. That broke all that religion off of him. That man got saved right there. Oh, the blood of Jesus rescued me. Thank God for the blood. Father, we thank you tonight that in the veins of your son Jesus was pumped the blood of God. And that blood was offered seven times. Excuse me. Was spilt seven times. From the garden to the beatings and bruisings to the stripes upon his back to the nails in his hands to the nails in his feet, to the final indignity of the spear being thrust in his side. And out came blood and water. But we know that was the birthing, the birthing of the reproductive system of the body of Christ, the born again experience. We thank you for that, Father. Tonight in great honor of the blood of Jesus, we receive of the cup in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. To receive of the cup. Now let me close with this thought. When I just said that, I remembered it. In the garden, God had created a man. He gave the man an assignment. He began to name the animals. Man was not a monkey. He was smart. He had intelligence. He had ability. But the Bible says after a while, God saw that he was lonely. Now think about this for a moment. And he saw that he had nobody to be his helpmate. And if you really get in there and do a study of that, you'll find out that he had nobody to help him in a reproductive process. So what did he do? He put him to sleep. And does anybody know where he went? He went into his side. Took a rib. And he made the womb man. Or the woman. Fast forward 4,000 years later. God's fixing to redeem fallen humanity. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. But He needed a reproductive system upon the earth so that the family of God could grow. He needed the church. So where did God go? Again, He went to the side of a man. He went to the side of a man. And when that spear was thrust up under that rib cage and into that sack that contains the heart, and that, 
that, that fluid around the heart and the blood of the heart spilled out onto the ground. God forever secured the right of the church to exist. No matter what governments say, no matter what viruses say, no matter what war says, no matter what they say, God says, my church is my reproductive system on the earth today. Isn't God good? Lift your hands and worship Him. Father, we worship You. Oh, how we worship You, Lord God. How we glorify You, Lord Jesus. Oh, we exalt You, Lord God. We exalt You, Heavenly Father. These are very stressful and agitating times. And I really don't see a going back to any type of normal that we used to know. I believe these events are going to begin to come one after another after another. And that you better be prepared and ready, not just to survive them, but to thrive in the midst of them. But this one event has caused a lot of fear, a lot of panic. I was listening to a radio program the other day and they were having all of the people who were in healthcare call in. And they were calling in and telling about what was going on in their particular emergency rooms. Now what was amazing was this. It didn't say that the emergency rooms were full of people with coronavirus. That's what they said. I mean, there, were, uh, there was a call from Michigan, a call from Oklahoma, several calls from Texas. And they, were, they weren't saying, well, you know, we just have hundreds and hundreds of... You know what they said? They said our emergency rooms are full of people who are, who are under so much stress and anxiety and fear. That's what they're saying. That they're having to go pick them up with ambulances and bring them to the emergency room and give them, we were talking about it last night, they told me some, some drug, they named some drug they give you to calm you down. And they were giving them this drug because the fear and the panic. You know, the Bible says in the last days, men's hearts will fail them for fear of that which is coming upon the earth. Amen. Listen, there are men and women on the earth that are losing millions of dollars. People have seen their businesses evaporate. Uh, they've seen their jobs evaporate. They've seen their families destroyed. They've seen, they've seen uh, uh, can't even go see their grandchildren, their loved ones. They're watching their loved ones die without being able to be there with them and touch them as they pass into eternity. I'll tell you, that, that's a serious thing. We're in serious, serious times. If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I'm telling you, I've just really not found that peace you talk about. I know it's mine. I know what the Scripture says. But I tell you, that fear's been trying to get on me since this thing started. And I do not want it. I want the peace of God. See, sometimes you need a little help. And the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And I'll tell you, the Bible says fear has torment. And the enemy has a way to, to formulate thoughts and fire them into your mind as fast as a machine gun can shoot. But you've got to be ready and willing to withstand every thought and challenge every thought with the Word of God. The Bible says to bring it into captivity. Amen. If that's you, I want you to raise both hands right now. Just raise both hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke this fear. We rebuke this torment, this stress, this agitation. Father, in the midst of the stormiest waters 
the world has ever seen. You will encapsulate your church with the peace of Almighty God. And Father, we thank you right now, each and every one that's suffering under the bondage of all of this drama that is going on. We break the power of fear over their minds in Jesus' name. We say fear go in Jesus' name. Peace come in the name of Jesus. Foul spirits of torment leave their minds alone in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We worship you, Father. We glorify your name. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you. Now begin to thank him, church. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For the Spirit of the Lord would say, when there is a reason to fear, walk in faith. When there's a reason to be traumatized, rise up in hope. When there's a reason to be agitated, let your righteousness shine forth as the rising sun. When the stress of the world and the drama that is being played out increases and it will settle down into the peace of your loving Father. For I have said I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age. For I know what's coming. And I am preparing your heart now to rise above all that comes upon this earth. Physically, financially, mentally, many will become oppressed as demon forces rise in power through those who have an agenda of destruction and pain. But I say in the midst, my church will shine, it will rise, it will grow, it will be delivered, and it will have an expectancy of its release. So even this day and this hour, shake yourself loose from the shaking. Don't let what's shaking shake you. For I have founded you upon the foundation of my word and my spirit. And you shall not be moved. You shall not be moved. And my protection, my protection surrounds you in every way. Every second and minute of the day, I watch over those whom I love. I watch over those who are mine. So do not be fearful. Do not follow the ways of the fallen world. But stand strong and see the deliverance of your God. As He brings you into a procession of overwhelming victory. From faith to faith and glory to glory. Hallelujah. If you have been losing money... Since this thing started, you say, Pastor, I'm telling you, since this thing started, almost every day I've been losing money, losing money, losing money. If you've been losing money, lift your hands right now. Been losing money. Now let's pray. Father, right now, this week will be a turnaround for every person 
who has been losing money. We put you in remembrance. We remind you of your word. We thank you that you're still our Jehovah Jireh. And we declare that even that which was lost will be made up and money will flow. Money will flow. Money will flow. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, several, I don't want to go pick you out. You're, in, you're here. I could, I could just go put my hand up. Several are struggling with a decision. And the more you've struggled with it, the more confused you have gotten. You've thought, I need to do this, but should I do that? I need to do that, but should I do this? And, 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 and you've gone down the road of trying to make this decision. And it's, all it's done is caused you to become more and more confused. Father, we thank you tonight for the knowledge of your will and all spiritual understanding. And those, the decisions that need to be made, we thank you that they will be made in righteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, for the Spirit of the Lord would say, the right decision will bring you in to revival and awakening. The right decision will put you in the rivers and streams of God. The right decision will cause you to rise up in God's delivering power in this day and hour. The right decision will cause you to abound in blessing. The right decision will cause your love walk to come to another level and the compassion of God will flow out through you like never before. So choose the right and not the wrong. For in your own heart, you know what is right. And the enemy is just trying to paint a picture in your mind of something that is not of God. So be free. Be free. Be free in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, I'll do that. Yes, yes. For you do not know as a church how important it is that you pray, 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 that you pray the summer months that are coming are months of great peril in which your adversary would love to destroy every fabric of righteousness in life and government. But if the church called by my name will pray, will pray with purpose, will pray with power, will pray with passion and call upon heaven, I will release from heaven that which is necessary to stay the hands of the adversary and cause you to enter into a season of peace in which my provision will flow out like never before. So don't miss your opportunity. Don't miss your chance. Pray. Pray as an individual. Pray as a family. Pray as a church. Intercede. Pray in the understanding. Pray in the spirit. Pray. Pray, 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 pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 2016, we prayed. We had prayer conferences. We had prayer weeks. We prayed. We prayed. We prayed. We prayed. Listen, I, I, I say this. Because it's true, we never claim political affiliation with any party. I'm not a Republican, I'm not a Democrat, I'm a believer. We had three strong families in the church just get up and walk out because they said we were a Trump church. We're not a Trump church. We're not a Republican church, we're not a Democratic church, we're a righteous church. And we're praying for righteous government. Amen. Listen, I'm going to tell you something, church. The wage of sin right now on this planet is paying its maximum wage. You say, what do you mean? The earth, it's getting its biggest paycheck for sin that has been committed upon this planet. This nation's not exempt. This nation's not exempt. The greatest threat... Now listen to me, church. This is not a political statement. You've got to hear this with your spirit. You've got to hear this with your spirit. The greatest threat to the wickedness and evil of this world is the threat of, of abortion being outlawed in America. So that sounds like some conservative statement. You better listen to what I'm saying right now. That thing has been a plague on this nation since the day it began. We have offered the blood of a generation upon the altar of selfishness. I could care less what any politician says. This is a spiritual principle. God's people do not offer their children to Molech and they do not live in a nation that does it. You better listen to what I'm saying. That fight is on right now like never before in the realm of the Spirit. Someone needs to pray. Someone needs to intercede. Listen, you don't know spiritually the recoil that hit churches like this that prayed in 2016. I mean, literally, the enemy went after them with everything that they had. Everything the enemy had, he threw against churches like this that prayed and believed God that the process would begin that would lead us. I truly begin, believe that that thing being repealed and turned over and that thing becoming illegal is going to be the moment that happens. It's going to be the moment revival begins and awakening begins in this nation. You cannot murder the innocent. Amen. Listen, if you're a lady and you've had that happened in your life. Listen, God's mercy and compassion has washed you. You're washed clean. That's, that's not against you anymore. But listen, we need to pray. These next 90 days, I'm going to pray. Say, God, what do you want us to do? We're having prayer at, at 6.30 on Wednesday nights, at 6 o'clock on Sunday. It isn't right, church. It isn't right. Listen to me as your pastor. I'm telling you, I'm stepping into a realm of not just teaching you. I'm warning you. It is not right 20 people come to prayer. It's not right. 20. Listen, this church ought to be full of people crying out to God. God, save us from the wretchedness of this world and empower us to be the church you've called us to be.
That's a church that prays with a purpose. For the most part, prayer has been just almost dismissed from churches, except for the company that we're a part of. Amen. You want to see the hand of God? You want to see mighty signs, wonders, and miracles? We're going to have to pray like never before. We're going to have to pray. We're going to have to get on our knees. We're going to have to humble ourselves. We're going to have to pray. And I guarantee you, if we'll do that, we will see the glory of God. John Wesley, the great founder of the Methodist, said it seems that God can do nothing on the earth unless men cry out and pray and invite Him into their affairs so that God can intervene and bring His glory. We need to cry out and pray that God will intervene in this nation and that we will see that revival and that awakening that God desires for us to have. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Everybody lift your hands up. Father, we worship you. Thank you for this service tonight. Thank you for this mighty time in your presence. Thank you that we're healed. Thank you that we're delivered. Thank you that we're set free in your mighty name. Now, Lord, as we look down the corridor of the week in time, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for the protection of God being upon every one of us. And Lord, we do declare no evil befalls us, no plague, man-made, natural, no matter what it may be, this current virus everyone's freaking out about or any other disease. Thank you, Father, that we're cocooned by your presence, that we're empowered to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and that not one person in here will suffer under the bondage of that in Jesus' name. That we are safe and we are protected in Jesus' name. Lord, in our travels, in the righteous labor of our hands, thank you, Lord God, that your provision of blessing and protection are upon us. And thank you, Father, that each and every one of us, Lord, we can go forth from this place and we can be a light in the midst of darkness. Somebody's praying. We can be their answer. Somebody's crying out to God. His provision can flow through us. So many are fearful. So many are afraid. So many are panicking. Father, we thank you that we'll be able to be your hand extended, your words spoken, and your presence in the midst of panic in Jesus' name. Lord, we leave tonight. We walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much, Heavenly Father. Father, we leave tonight walking in love toward one another. We thank you for our church. Lord, we leave as the ambassadors of Christ, representatives of the kingdom of heaven. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.